This is a Trail Smoke Eaters podcast. The Smoke Eaters from Trail, British Columbia, have a battering style of play. Now I'm Ben Phillips, joined here with Rob Squires. A couple of huge saves by Logan Turnett. Oh, he has a scores! Cody Chabon! And he only for six. Hello and welcome back to tonight's episode of Cherry's Corner. Welcome to The Smoke Show with your hosts, Ben Phillips and Rob Squires. Uh oh. Did the foe just end that on Turness? Yeah, he did. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to episode four of The Smoke Show <laughs> podcast as we watch uh, Smoke Eaters practice going on here below us as they just did a, a drill where they had to score 10 goals in 10 minutes and it came right down to the wire and it looked like our guest from last week. Chase Defoe just uh, got the last goal needed on his good friend there, Logan Turness. As he shakes his head skating back for the rest of the ice, not going to be happy with that. All those two are too so competitive, and watching them in the last couple of weeks uh, just continues to to prove that uh, that statement. And now it looks like they're going to do a little bit of a mini game. But Rob, welcome back to the Smoke Show podcast once again. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about this week, like we're talking. Camp's going on here below us. Uh, we've got to watch the first, this is your first chance watching them. Um, I've kind of been around the, the whole last week and a bit uh, watching camp go on. Um, we're going to talk to the BCHL commissioner, Chris Hebb, uh, on this week's episode. We're going to talk a lot about uh, the plan A, plan B, um, the season coming up, and then of course, after that, we're going to answer some of the questions, uh, put out a um, an invite, I guess you could say, on, on Twitter on Sunday night asking people if they had some questions for us, and we're going to answer um, as many of those as we can in as much detail as, as we can. Um, but, Rob, uh, we're about an hour into practice here. Uh, kind of initial thoughts? Yeah, like you mentioned, uh, my first opportunity getting a chance to see, uh, you know, this group that's kind of, I think, gotten narrowed down a little bit after over the last little bit. Um, Ooh, get nice goal. On ice action here. And, uh, you know, it was interesting. We got here just in time to hear the coach talking to them at the start of the practice here about, you know, making sure that this week they start looking at ramping up that intensity and, and getting into, you know, game time type shape, as I'm sure in the works will be some games coming up here for this team to, to start getting some gameplay in. And we'll talk. I'm sure you'll have more information on that down the road. But I'm definitely impressed with what, what I've seen out here so far. There's a lot of skill on the ice. Um, the guys are battling hard. We've seen some good battles in front of the net. We've seen some goaltenders not so happy with pucks going behind them here, even in, in the early goings of, uh, of camp. And, uh, yeah, I think it's so far, I think it's a, a good sign for, uh, for Smoke Eaters fans here that the, the product on the ice is starting to round out. Yeah, I mean, that's always a good sign for a goaltender, I guess, is that uh, when they get mad, when they get scored on, you never want a goalie to be happy with the pucks going behind them. So... <laughs> Um, it, just as we, we hit the record button there, uh, as we said, it was Turness and Defoe going on at it. So, um, But, yeah, there's, so what else is there? To ha uh, we did announce there were two uh, commits out of the ID camp um, that we announced, and Nicholas Roussel and Jackson Krill, both um, players of the Smoke Eaters, uh, committed to for the upcoming season. And, um, again, as you said, that, that group is just continuing to, to round out. Yeah, a couple of signings, and of course we'll mention that, that trade, of course, too, getting uh, Jordan Henry back. But 
Yep. You know, um, you know, they're start you're starting to see the pieces come together. We were working here a little earlier, just before the we went on the uh, on the podcast here about trying to you know us speculating on depth charts and and where we see guys playing and it's it's great to see uh names that are committed that are starting to fill in that roster and um you know the two guys that you mentioned Russell and uh and krill out here uh Roussel has looked really good krill i haven't i still having a tough time picking up guys they're not wearing <laughs> all name bars and numbers here but uh i definitely seen a bit of Roussel out here and he's looked good and uh Acrilla early on there when it caught a couple of rushes and stuff, he's looked good as well. And Henry stepping back into uh, into Kaminko here, um, right back into place uh, on the blue line. So um, a couple of a familiar face and a couple of new guys that are committed here and just kind of now get their game dialed in and ready to go here for some exhibition games. And there's they just kind of wrap up practice here below us. Um, again, those are some guys, you know, we talked a little bit on the last episode about uh, about who we saw coming in and, you know, who were the commits and and whatnot. Um, you know, Quinn Disher, again, and, you know, this is this is completely our um, our take on things. This isn't what the coaches see. This is, you know, they see things a little bit differently. Just, this is just a baseline, you know, us, you know, up here in the booth or, or you know, me sitting in the, in the, sta in the stands kind of during the week getting to know the players. Um you know, Quinn Disher's a guy that, that I've really liked this week, Connor Michaud. Um, I really liked him playing with uh, with Defoe on and off. Um, one of the guys that you know was a bit of a surprise that I had no idea was, was coming uh, to camp was Justin Gurney. Uh, he was a guy that the Smoke Eaters picked up through the Cody Siobhan trade in November last year. Um, he was playing in the WHL with the Everett Silvertips. He is here at camp. Um, he's a big kid, 20-year-old guy um, that uh, has the potential to, you know, be a big player here for the Smoke Eaters. And so that was a big pickup uh, for Tim Fragel and the coaching staff. Again, you know, as, as we talked about, Defoe has looked really good. Um, it's, there's a, like, as you said, too, there's a lot of skill here. It's, uh, it's really exciting. Yeah, you know, Gurney was one of those guys I wasn't aware of until, uh, until I saw him here on the ice today. And um, right away, you know, you've mentioned a few times that uh, that kid's got some wheels. Um, he can move out there. He's got an explosive uh, first couple of strides where he gets up the ice. And, you know, we've seen a bit of a touch here. He was tipping some pucks in front of the net and on some of the end-to-end uh, -end rushes here, a, a nice hard shot. So, you know, that type of player that could come in and surprise some people that, you know, coming from the WHL and, you know, his experience there and coming in here where that size and speed is, is what this league is about and uh, could easily fill in from what we've seen in, in, in easily in that top nine, top six type, type role here. And, I'm excited to see him as part of uh, this roster as, again, as they start filtering into the different <laughs> uh, depth chart here. Is there's a lot of kids, a lot of kids at, at camp and still obviously some decisions to be made there. But um, I think we'll see, uh, I think people will be very surprised with the, with the group here, with the amount of turnover that they did have. Um, there's still going to be a very high-skilled um, team on the ice here for the Smoke Eaters that are going to have, again, we've mentioned it numerous times, with uh, with high expectations, and I think as uh, as these guys start finding their roles here, we're we're starting to see it already that you know there's this is going to be a team to compete. Um, you know we we met one of the guys that we were watching here on defense uh, in Ethan Willoughby um, playing a strong having a strong camp here. You've seen him out playing on, on a line with Siobhan there, and just a couple of big guys, uh, strong good sticks um, as a, as a top defensive pairing. Like there's no problem looking right there, and that's. With Siobhan being now Henry, sorry, with 
having come in, Siobhan was the only returning player that they had on defense right now. And then having um, uh, Jordan kind of fill in, Henry, Jordan Henry, sorry, fill in there is a, is a nice one to kind of step in. He's a not a high point guy, but a consistent guy and can skate and can move the puck out of his own end and kind of get you out of danger. So, you know, starting to see the defense round out and, you know, obviously Logan Turness is, is in, in goal with his fancy new mask down there. And um, as you mentioned a few times, he does he does not like getting scored on. And he's, he's you can see he's in, in form already that he's he's dialed in and he's he's ready to go and have a, uh, a big uh, follow-up to the season that he had last year that was cut short on him. And, you know, it's, it's hard to get a, a real look at these at, at all these players and what their abilities are. You know, today they've started, or over the last week here, they've started um, having bigger groups. Um, because, you know, they're slowly being allowed to have bigger groups on the ice at a time. For most of uh, the weeks, it's been, you know, two separate groups, two different skating times. Everyone's, you know, social distancing. You know, they do the first group. That that group gets, you know, off the ice, you know, does their thing, shower everything, clean up. The next group comes in. They're on the ice. You know, it's just it's just the world we're living in right now uh, with COVID-19. Uh, but everyone has, every player coming in is committed to that, uh, committed to, doing their part to make sure that we have a season and that's one thing we'll talk about with Chris Hebb but uh, back to you know the point that I started on before I went down that road is that uh, the it's hard to get a read on the players because there are in two different groups and the, you know they've been um, you know one guy looks good in one group but you know he might be playing with other people in the other group come season time um, but it's it's still there's like like you said there's a lot of skill out there yeah, and that's really where we're at right now. You know, you can see some line combinations out on the ice, but who knows where those fall out. But, well, and you know, still when you're not, not all the players that are here as well. Exactly. And when you're just looking at, you know, skill level, you know, these there's a lot of guys out here that you can tell can shoot the puck. There's some good skaters out there. There's a few big bodies out there and a couple of guys that can do all of that. So, um, yeah, you know, it's it's great to be able to have the opportunity here to, to, to watch some of the practice and get an idea of where that level's at. And uh, hopefully when uh, when things fire up here come December 1st, as we've been guaranteed by the commish, um, <laughs> that we'll have uh, some great hockey here uh, at Kaminko in, in whatever fashion that ends up being, uh, plan A, plan B, as we get into that interview with uh, with the commish. And, you know, again, well, people are wondering, well, what's that going to look like? We don't quite know. But, uh, you know, when that information becomes available, we'll pass it on. Um, and, and again, we'll, we'll answer some of those questions that people put out on social media to us uh, in the second half here of the episode. But uh, again, yeah, like you said, guaranteed um, December 1st start date. Again, a lot of players are committed to, to making that December 1st happen. It's, it's exciting. I know, I know a lot of fans are itching. They want to come back. They want to see these camps. They want to see um, what this team is going to look like. There are games coming and a lot sooner than December 1st that's that's all I I can say I just I know that there's games being planned um, in a preseason the exhibition plan that that you know that the leagues are announcing and it was part of the plan B that the BCHL announced that you know an exhibition um, schedule will be released soon and it's being worked on so you know you're thinking here I don't know if I can wait till December 1st to see the smoke eaters play um, They'll be on hockey TV a lot sooner than that. I can I can tell you that right now. <laughs> and that's a great segue into making sure you go get your hockey TV sponsorship. Uh, um, sorry, not your sponsorship, but your subscription. Um, and put in what's the you got the promo code there for the Smoke Eaters? Uh, it is BCHL Smoke Eaters twenty, I think. Right, twenty twenty. I think it's just one twenty. I don't think it's twenty twenty. I think it's BCHL Smoke Eaters twenty. 
um, is what I put in for my promo code anyway when oh. I signed up. So, Well, look at that. You're on top of it more, <laughs> more than I am. Uh, yeah, so right now, so you can um, save $80 on uh, your hockey TV subscription, which, you know, with how this year is going to look, uh, with potential that, you know, we won't have fans in the building to start, um, that if you want to watch the Smoke Eaters this year, this is going to be the, the way to do it in um, and watching the games on Hockey TV, watching the broadcast. So right now you can save hockey, uh, $80 on Hockey TV uh, with the Smoke Eaters promo code. And for those, uh, obviously, that follow more than just the team and follow the, the league in general, the Hockey TV is going to give you the opportunity to see teams that aren't even going to be making trips here to be able to see what other, you know, the island teams are like when as they play in these separate kind of cohort-type breakups uh, most of the leagues are, are, are announcing already and what that looks like. So the ability to see other teams that you may not uh, see the Smoke Eaters play as your Hockey TV subscription gives you access to everything on their platform. And for those that are listening here that are familiar with the KIJHL, it also looks like they're going to be on there as well now, so you'll be able to pick up those games as well. So a phenomenal value, well worth it to, to go on there and, and get your hockey uh, TV subscription and save 80 bucks with your BCHL Smoke Eaters 20 promo code. Yes. So, yes, again, if you want to watch the Smoke Eaters, and we all know you do, we all know that you're dedicated fans to the, to the team and to its history. Um, BCHL Smoke Eaters 20 is the promo code. Uh, that coupon expires September 25th. Don't take the chance that it's going to get extended. September 25th uh, is when that code expires. And uh, if you get your code, well, maybe very soon uh, you'll be able to see Smoke Eaters games. Absolutely. I got mine. Uh, you'll be here in the booth for uh, for some of those games, I hope. I hope so, too. Uh, what else uh, do we want to talk about here in the first half? Again, you know, camp going on. They're playing a little bit of two-puck down there right now as they're just uh, wrapping up today's ice session, uh, something that, uh, you know, Logan Turness loves to do. Uh, some of the players do too. Uh, but I think that's one of Turness's favorites, favorite parts of practice is the, the, the end session there where he gets to go one-on-one -on -one with every player. Uh, so how it works, if you aren't familiar with two pockets, so they, for the first round anyways, everyone gets two shots. The first shot is you, you're standing about the hash marks, top of the circle, kind of center ice. You take a shot. If, uh, if you score, you go right over to the winner's circle. If you don't score, you then get to come in on a short breakaway and try and beat the goaltender. And if you score again, you get to go into the winner's circle. If you don't, you're eliminated. And then as it goes on each round, it then just becomes a breakout, a, br a breakaway in tight opportunity. And then it's last man standing. Ooh, it's Chase Defoe puts one five hole on Turnes. Gives him a little bit of a tap there. Not his favorite one so nope. far. <laughs> <laughs> is, is usually so good at these drills. Uh, um, at these drills, at the, at the two-puck. He, he's hard to beat. There's one of these he's been hard to beat no matter what you're <laughs> doing with him. Like, it was one of these times I want to just go out there, I'll just grab a stick, someone give me a stick, and I want to see if I can beat him. Yeah, I want to see that too. <laughs> Not me, but I want to see you beat him. <laughs> <laughs> one of these, one of these days, maybe, maybe I'll make it out onto the uh, the ice end of practice. Not really my place, but could be fun one of these days. See if I can beat uh, Mr. Turness. I don't like my chances, but it uh, it could be could be uh, could be worth worth a laugh or two. Make oh, sure we get it on It video. would be worth a laugh. Don't <laughs> I, I can guarantee the I can guarantee the listeners that would be worth it. Do I have to put on skates or can I stay in my shoes and skates? Okay. I'll I think everybody listening would agree it has to be skates. <laughs> Uh, Smoke Eater store, all the new merchandise is in for the upcoming season, as well as Smoke Eater's masks. 
Uh, limited quantities available. Rob's got his, I've got mine. Uh, they ordered quite a few, and a lot of people have already come and got them. So limited quantities available for the Smoke Eaters mask. So make sure you uh, come into the Smoke Eaters store to uh, pick up your masks before they are all gone. Lots of new gear there and online as well. So get yes. outfitted in your Smoke Eaters gear. Shop.smokeeaters.com. That's more of a mouthful than the promo code. I'm glad you picked <laughs> that one up. <laughs> Well, Chris Hebb. Chris Hebb. Uh, both me and Rob were in on this one. We talked to him earlier via Skype. Uh, again, thanks to the commissioner for making time available. We talked about a lot of things. We talked about the plan B. We talked about plan A. We talked about how last season ended and how this season might work. So enjoy the interview here with BCHL Commissioner Chris Hebb. We'll talk on the other side of the interview. All right, we are now pleasure. It's a, now our pleasure to be joined by the commissioner of the BCHL, Mr. Chris. Chris, how's it going today? Going pretty good, Ben. How are you? Well, we're uh, we're talking hockey. We love talking hockey out here in the West Kootenays as we get ready for the BCHL season. Um, before we start talking on on this season, Chris, uh, you know, let's let's talk on where the league ended ended last year um you know from our standpoint and you know where we've seen the league grow um is it, it's grown quite a bit in the last few years since you've taken over um you know with just the prominence of players last year just how happy were, the, were you with uh with the way last season was going before it ultimately had to be cut short well i kind of felt we'd really turned a corner um and especially on the business side because we had uh, a lot of changeover in the last two years on on ownership and uh, when you look at, you know, we had a sale in Vernon, we had a sale in, in uh, Coquitlam, we had a sale in West Kelowna, we had Cranbrook coming in. I mean, we had a, a lot going on. So it felt like we were going to kind of settle down and play hockey. <laughs> and, uh, and guess what? Uh, along came COVID. And uh, as they always say, if you're, you want to make God laugh, you tell him your plans. So we were left with a situation uh, where we had to react to having our playoffs canceled. And, uh, and it was obviously a sour note to end what uh, we felt was a great season. And now it hasn't really been much of an off-season for you or for many of the teams because there's been so much um, planning, so much organizing that's going into trying to make this season happen. Um, from your standpoint and working with the league, just... How difficult has things been in the last six months in getting to the point where uh, we are now? Well, I can tell you, I've never worked harder. <laughs> it's been uh, every day. And the, the thing about COVID is there was so little in place, Ben. You know, we don't deal with a global pandemic more than once every hundred years. And so there's no playbook, there's no rule book. And so you kind of had to make it up as you went along. Our first move in March was to uh, put together a, a task force uh, and uh, and an action plan, and uh, and what we've been doing is is trying to kind of forge uh, the way forward. And um, I would say that it's um, the most difficult part of it has been that you know you have the public health office, you've got the government, you've got Via Sport, you've got a lot of different. Uh, people who are in trying to get us all back to uh, to play, but um, it, it took them, uh, you know, quite some time to figure out exactly how they were going to treat sports. So I think we're there now. We've got a, a, a public or health office approved 
plan for COVID, and uh, and that was uh, a long time in the making. But that that feels like we're starting to gain some traction. And so, how how did that plan come along? How does what does that look like? I know the league has put out the initial plan for that December first start date with the hope of having fans in the building, but also. Um, coming out with that plan B, uh, just kind of how did those plans come about? How much um, conversation was there between not only just the, the board of governors, but every team and, and ultimately as well, the players and their parents? Well, the, the return to play plans that you're speaking about, plan A and plan B, were contingent upon the COVID-19 safety plan that we had to submit to the provincial health office. And once we knew where they stood on our ideas and protocols, then we could come back to, okay, now can we play under what they're allowing us to do? And originally what we went to was a plan A where we could have 25% of capacity in our arenas. And that did not fly. Um, we, we, are, we got worried that it wouldn't fly before December 1st, which we pushed the season back to. And so we needed a plan B. And when I went to the owners and said, you know, what do you think of having a season uh, without people in the seats? Can we do it? Uh, it was amazing the way they reacted. They said, look, we don't want our players to miss a season. And if we've got to do that, we will. And the players may have to pay some of the freight. Uh, but if they're comfortable doing that, then the BCHL will play. Hey, Chris, Rob here. Um, you know, with this, the, this plan B um, idea, the, the payer, uh, sorry, the player pay to play uh, type model, it, what has the discussion been and how do you figure out what that, um, what that fee is going to be? And is that a, a set, uh, going to be an equal fee for all players across the league or how does that, how do you, how do you see that working? Well, the first discussion is, are we comfortable with charging the players? And I'll tell you, that was a long debate. Um, but what we were hearing back from parents and players is, look, you know, if we've got to contribute to get a season in, it's an important year for many of our, our kids. Uh, we, we get it. It's a COVID thing. It's not as if the BCHL is going to turn into a pay-to-play league, and, and, and it wasn't. And with regard to how do the teams charge the players, we mandated that each of the teams would do that based on their cost structure. So whatever your cost structure is, you divide that by the number of players and, and that is what the fee will be. So there's nobody making money. And in many cases, the owners are contributing out of their pockets too because their cost structure is higher than, than, uh, than others. So that's what we felt the fair way to do it was to not mandate a specific fee, but let teams charge based on what their cost structure was. And now Chris, um... I know a lot of work has gone into trying to um, create a plan that, you know, the American commit committed players can come into the BCHL and play with these teams. Um, you know, they have to come in, they have to quarantine for two weeks before they're allowed to join the group. Just how did those conversations go and how did, uh, were you able to make those decisions to get that to happen? Well, I think all of us recognize as Canadians that the border is closed and and we have 18% of our league are American players. And with those border restrictions, we did not expect that there was going to be uh, a, a raft of American players that were going to be granted entry. However, we did say to them, if, if you and your parents want to attempt to enter the country during the closure, it, it's at your own risk. 
that's up, up to your call. The BCHL does not control the border, nor should it influence how the border is controlled. So in order for Americans to play in the BCHL and take part in the training camp, they had to have a number of things in their possession before they got to the border. And one of them was a letter from the league explaining and their team explaining what they were there for. So there wasn't anybody trying to pull anything off on the border authorities. We said these are hockey players. They're critical to their teams. And this is what they're here to do. A lot of what they, they do is to uh, get scholarships to NCAA schools. Um, we also required that they have a negative test in their possession with a negative, a recent negative test in their possession. And we also had a 14 day quarantine that would take place as soon as they got across the border to allow the border authorities to see that we had a plan, that they weren't just going to jump into uh, you know, somebody's house without there being some sort of an isolation process. So uh, that's what we felt was, uh, was right to do. Um, and at the end of the day, it was up to the, the Americans and their parents if they wanted to try it. So, Chris, one of the other big announcements that the league made here uh, regarding the, uh, you know, to, to be able to play uh, come December was the, uh, the idea of playing with full face shields. Now, obviously, in the province here, that's been a, a bit of a discussion, be, be, you know, between whether or not it's safer or not safer to be wearing them. But obviously, with COVID, there's a different idea of why they're wearing the face shields. Um, can you kind of speak about how that uh, how that decision came about and um, what, if any, uh, the discussion moving forward of whether or not they'll join some of the junior B leagues um, that are wearing the full face shields during the regular season, just like the uh, the NCAA does? We put forward the option of our teams being mandated to uh, wear full face shields after we were contacted by our equipment supplier, Bauer, because they have a full face shield that also has something called a splash guard that attaches to the bottom of the face shield. And we felt that this might be a way for us to be able to have a season because it protects the players, definitely. And the provincial health office agreed with that. They, they said, we think that that is an awesome thing for you guys to introduce. So we mandated it. And what it will do, we think, is get us through this COVID season in a way that is safe for our players. And, and we're, we're going to spend the money to, to put them in the face shields. The debate, as you mentioned, is, you know, there's evidence on both sides as to whether or not the face shields are, are going to make our players safer. Um, one of our pillars is player safety, and that debate will continue, but we have not mandated it beyond the COVID season. Now, Chris, uh, a lot of teams, uh, including the Smoke Eaters here in Trail, have started uh, with training camp. Just kind of from around the league, what's, um, you know, how have things been going? I know there's a lot, it's a very different training camp for, for every single team and everyone having to social distance and all the different uh, rules and regulations, but um, kind of how have things been going just around the league? Well, the first thing I want to note, Ben, is that we have not had one team come to us and say, we're going to take a year off, which to me is, I think fans got to realize just how much of a commitment that is to them and to the players, because our, our ownership lost a ton of money last year and they lost the playoff revenue that generally helps pay for the start of the next season. So that that's the first thing I want, wanted everybody to know is 
all of our teams are in. All of them are having training camps. All of them will have exhibition games. And uh, it's just started. So we're, uh, we're obviously on, on uh, pins and needles making sure that our teams are observing the regulations associated with social distancing and hygiene and all of the things we put in our plan. But uh, the good news is we're back in the ice. And I think, uh, you know, further on, just the, the strength of the league, uh, I know you, we talked about it in the first question there and just the way last season ended. From when you took over, you know, two years ago, uh, where have you seen the league improve um, since, you, since you stepped in as commissioner? Well, uh, I think when I got here, we had about 165 kids that, uh, that were getting NCAA scholarships, and we're up to 195 now. So we continue to break records every year on how many of our players actually get into NCAA schools and, 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 uh, and U-sports schools. So to me, uh, a league that uh, is predicated really on, on trying to help kids not only play hockey, but get an education, that's about half of our kids last year are going off to the NCAA. So we see that as a huge win. In terms of the play on the ice, I, I think that, you know, the fact that we, uh, we are likely the premier junior A league in Canada has, uh, has been demonstrated uh, a number of times. And the quality of play continues to improve because we're focused so much on speed and skill. And uh, the old school hockey is not something that, uh, that we're interested in. We're interested in modern hockey. And that's the way the, the world's going. That's the way the NHL's going. And that's certainly where the NCAA is. So uh, in terms of preparing our kids for their college career, uh, we think we're doing a good job. And uh, th there's also pretty good parity in the league. You know, uh, you, you can't count on there being just one team or two teams or three teams that are ruling the roost. We, uh, we had Merritt step up a couple years ago now and, uh, and, and surprise everybody with the kind of performance they put in. And, you know, but your, your team has is, is really turned things around with, with the, the new ownership. I, I think your, your community specifically is really supporting the smoke eaters, believes in, in, in what we're trying to do. And, uh, and now they've got a partner out there in the East Kootenays in Cranbrook that uh, should become a great rivalry. Yeah, and just to, to follow up on, on Ben's question there, with the, you know, obviously we're all in agreement that BCHL um, is thought of as a, as a premier junior A league available for these players um, with, the, again, the increasing amounts of NCAA commitments happening from the league. Um, you know, we move past the COVID issues. You know, let's say we get a, a, a good season starting up and running uh, for, for next year on time and everything in place the way we're used to it. What do you see as the next steps for this league as far as, um, you know, becoming, you know, gaining even more exposure and taking that next step from where they're at right now? Well, we've talked a lot about making sure that the 18 teams that we have in place are financially sound. Um, you know, nobody likes looking over their shoulder in, in terms of where you are financially. So our, our focus has been to, A, make sure that our teams are running their operations in a way that is going to allow them to at least break even. And that has not been the case in the past. And we're making inroads there. And the, B, what can the league do better to generate revenue? And I'm talking specifically in sponsorship. So, um, you know, we've, we've 
brought Chevrolet on. We've we've brought LNG Canada on. We've brought brought Shaw uh, Media on. There, there's been a, a list of these founding partners that get what our value proposition is, and I think that we're getting really good at explaining just how important this league is. And when I tell sponsors that you know when you when you support the BC Hockey League, there's as many people coming through our turnstiles in a season as there is for the Vancouver Canucks. They can't believe it. And the other thing is, and those turnstiles are in the communities. So if you're really trying to reach into those communities and, and get your message across, the BCHL is a hell of a way to do it. Well, Chris, uh, you know, and you go on the community, there's, you know, not only are these teams, you know, creating the, the ticket revenue, but you know, when the teams go on the road, there's the hotels that they're supporting. There's the the local restaurants where they go and eat that they're supporting. And so the the community impact of each BCHL team is massive. Um, when December 1st comes around and, you know, we have puck drop, you know, obviously for you, how much of a success is that going to feel like? Or will you not be able to feel that success until, you know, we get to the end and, you know, we have a, a Fred Page Cup champion uh, here in the BCHL? Yeah, I think I'll be waiting for the Fred Page Cup to feel any satisfaction. Uh, you know, we're not out of the woods, Ben. It, it, we, we could have an outbreak and the league could get shut down. And and so I'll uh, I'll rest easy and maybe uh, have a beer with you guys when uh, when the season's over. But um, I'm, I'm optimistic. I, I think that we've got a good plan in place. Uh, we're asking the government for support and uh, and and that. That discussion is not over with yet because we're trying to offset some of the $3 million in losses that our owners took last year. And obviously, there's, there's going to be more this year. Um, so if, if we can get our corporate support, we can get government support, we can get fan support. And the players, yes, they're going to be asked to contribute this year, but we don't want to do that again. So let's see where we get to at the end of the season, and then I'll breathe easy. Well, Chris, I think that uh, does it for us. Thanks for joining us uh, here today and, you know, answering a lot of questions and, and, you know, giving a positive spin that come December we are going to have uh, have a BCHL season. It's guaranteed. That's the, un unless, again, unless the public health office has, has something to say about it, uh, you'll, see, uh, you'll see our teams on the ice. Thanks for this, Chris. We'll uh, talk again shortly. Okay, thanks, guys. It's guaranteed. Says the commission. Guaranteed. Unless. Unless. Again, thank you to the BCHL commissioner, Mr. Chris Hebb, for uh, making time for us here in the West Kootenays. And he, he talked about a lot of things. Uh, he you know, brings up the, the rivalry that's coming up between the Smoke Eaters and the Cranbrook Bucks. I look forward to that uh, throughout the season. He talked about a lot of things. You know, I, I think the first thing we should touch on is... Um, a little bit about what he said about, about the, uh, the American players coming in. You know, honestly, for me, I didn't realize that it was 18% of the league is American players, which, you know, when you start doing the math, of course, that makes sense. You know, six per, per team. Um, but it, it was, it's, you know, as we talked about last time, it's a rigorous process. And, you know, he, he kind of gave it to the players. He gave them, here the, here's the documents you need. Um, but it's kind of at your own risk because we're not, you know, talking to the federal government saying, oh, here, you know, let our players in. It, it's not like that. It's, they, they have no control over that. They can only give them the supporting documents to say why they're coming into the country. And it, you know, it depends on the border guard you get. 
Yeah, a different situation than obviously the NHL went through where the NHL was advocating against with the government to get all the players there and what that, w what that process would be. In this case, the league has set, you know, a pretty straightforward kind of expectation that, you know, it should the players choose of their own with the, you know, consultation with their parents and whatnot to, to attempt to do the, uh, a border crossing and um, with all of the proper precautions and paperwork and all that kind of stuff, that that's on them. And if they're able to pass through that, then they're welcome here in the league. So, you know, I think it's a good stance from the league. Let that play out as it needs to be and not trying to force it. Um, but like you said, that's a, it is a big number. I didn't realize it as well that it was that kind of number. And um, for U.S.-born players, I expect that number probably to continue to increase as, as, again, the league gains that extra exposure and you'd see more and more players um, taking that opportunity to play here in their kind of pre-NCAA um, time um, as opposed to some of the options in the U.S. But, uh, you know, it's nice to see that they had a set process for that and, you know, teams and players have taken advantage of that. Um, and you know what? I, it bodes well for the league. There's a lot of good players that were from the U.S. Um, and a few of those played for the Smoke Eaters last year. That um, you know, that's a, that's a big thing for them to be able to try to have an option there at least as they try to navigate their their choices here of where they where they have to play hockey. So, and I mean, I mean, guess you know, other things uh, out of that interview. I know you were taking more notes than I was, but uh, <laughs> just you know, more things that you know you wanted to further discuss. Yeah, I think the only the, the big thing was that the amount of work that's gone into this. I think credit has to be given to the to the league on, you know, I, I've been dealing with my kids going back to school and there's just all the information and all the parties that are involved to try to see what that process looks like. I can just imagine on this side when you've got, you know, 18 member teams to deal with, you've got the league to deal with, you've got the health authorities, provincial authorities, hockey can't like there's so many different moving pieces there. Um, so obviously that must have been a ton of work for them. Um, so kudos to them for coming up with a couple of options here on, on how this is going to play out. Um, they've, they've indicated that December 1st is that start date, barring any major issues on the health side of things where they shut things down on them. And, um, you know, setting that a reasonable expectation. They weren't saying, you know what, do we need the rinks full as much as we'd love that? No, you know, plan A, if we can get 25% of the people in, that's what we're aiming for. That's what they're looking for come December 1st. Does that not happen? They have that backup plan. And I think that's a great idea that, you know, they're able to have that secondary option and that they, you know, from what he's telling us, that they reached out to, to, to all the parties involved, the teams, the players, parents, and had that discussion, like, would this be an option? And I think it's a fair option. You know, nobody wanted to see the, you know, the BCHL go to a pay-to-play type um, format like a lot of the Junior B pro programs are. But, you know, in these times, it's a great option. You know, they put that out there. The players accept that that could be something if they want to play, this is something they can do. And obviously they're okay with it. And that's fantastic that we know barring, you know, major health issue, again, shutting things down on that day, we'll have a hockey come here December 1st. And either that'll be with potentially up to that 25% of fans, or we'll have everybody tuning in on hockey TV and, and, and catching the games that way or following along the best they can um, in the different methods in which they can follow the game. So um, I think the fact that they've been fully upfront and, and giving that information to the fans and, and making it very, you know, transparent of what their process is going to look like was a, was fantastic. And the last thing that really kind of stood out there, and I, the question we pressed on him was the the masks. Obviously, that will be an adjustment for all the players uh, in this league. Those that uh, might have been coming from a lower, you know, the the major midget and stuff, they're used to wearing cages. You know, maybe looking forward to not having to, but they're going to have to. Um, you know, having to wear the uh, the the full face shield and the, the this other. Uh, what do they call it? Splash guard. Uh, it'd be interesting to see what that looks like. 
um, when those roll out. Um, but he also was very clear that it's not necessarily something they're moving forward with, and that discussion will continue whether or not face shields will be required here once the COVID issues are gone, and it's basically on a physical player safety type idea and not the, uh, the COVID um, pandemic issue. So, you know, a lot of good information there. He's been pretty consistent in his messaging. He had a number of interviews come out over the last week or so, and, you know, his messaging has stayed very consistent with it, and it's great to see that the from the leadership right up top um, in the BCHL that they've, they've got a plan and, and they're, they're moving forward with it and it looks like uh, we can continue our plans to be ready to, to, to watch and call some hockey here come December 1st and even sooner whenever we uh, we see what some exhibition schedules might look like. So, And I think going back further onto the on the, the pay-to-play model that, you know, is very, Chris made very adamant and he has in his multiple interviews is that it's not something that's going to stick around and it's also not something that the leagues or the teams are doing to make money. You know, it, it's, yeah. a, it's a base cost it's literally so that every team can survive and we can play a season and as as he said um you know the players the players want to have a season and if and the parents want them to have a season in 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 terms of their development and getting scouted and 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 you know improving as players it's it's something that they are willing to to take on Uh, it's not something that um i think I don't think it's not something that, that blindsided any of the players. I know there's there's been plenty of discussion in you know the teams talking with their their players and their parents and in what it would look like. And again, the plan B is a worst case scenario that you know we don't get fans in here come December first. That, that that's the whole point of plan A, plan B. Um, and I know Chris didn't say it in this interview, but in the other re- interview I was listening to, he's still optimistic that come December first we'll be allowed those twenty five. Uh, percent capacity in the rinks and you know the teams won't have to go to that um, pay-to-play model for for this season but if that happens you know we do have have that plan b and you know the the players are are on board with it um, and the parents are on board with it you know that if this is what it takes understanding the situation understanding that it's a covid era and you know that you know the teams aren't made of money um, that you know, this, this is one of the sacrifices that they would have to make, and I think, like he said, everyone's kind of been on board with it. Yeah, and I, I, I you know, he did point out there as well that the the league as a as a whole lost somewhere in the ballpark of three million dollars last year for numerous reasons with the le- the, 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 the early cancellation, the early cancellation, and now moving forward here. Um, you know, these aren't owners aren't getting rich off of owning BCHL hockey teams, right? Like this is a, a labor of love for these owners. They want to have their kids on here. They want these kids to move on. The kids want the same thing. They want their opportunity to play. They want to be prepared for what their next level looks like. Um, and so it's a happy medium, right? Basing it off of what the cost structures of the teams are allows the teams to structure that and, and, and be able to offer, you know, player fees that would be lower and they may have to cut, you know, areas where they might have spent more money on in the past, but it, at least it allows these players to continue on their development, continue to put uh, put the players on the ice and be ready for, again, for their for their next level. A, a completely missed season could uh, have uh, so many different detrimental effects for, for players, um, in their development and where you know what their future looks like so you know good work for by the league to come up with another option here um barring not getting the decision that they're hoping to get by december 1st as far as that capacity level so well again you know one of the things that that chris has said is that the league is also trying to get sponsorships at a league level to help out the teams and help lower that cost that that players might have to pay 
um, uh, come come the season starts, saying we're not allowed that 25%. But again, you know, it's a lot of you know, we don't want to sound doom and gloom. All payers have to play and everything. No, it was a very positive message, and you know, and you know, the players are on board. It's not it's, it's not a blind side to the players. I think is what I'm just trying to get across is that no. it's it's not. Um, you know, everyone's kind of kind of on board with how this uh, how this might have to have to work for for it to happen. Yeah, and I, I don't think and you're going to have any real issues. You know, some of these players that you know on different rosters they've played junior B last year, or in previous seasons, or you know they've had that pay to play model. So you know it's a benefit of the of the the junior A here in B in the in the BCHL where you know what it is not a pay to play model on a regular basis. And if it, if it requires that to kind of get through, you know, this season, which everyone's having to make sacrifices and changes and and how their operating models are. It is what it is, and, and you know, the players and continuing development is uh, will be the reward for if they have to go down that path. But at this point, the expectation is the 25% um, capacity. That's what they're aiming for and hoping that those restrictions are, are allowed come uh, December 1st, and uh, we'll see what happens over the next couple of months as we get closer. And, um, yeah, I think either way, the, it's, it's great news that uh, we're going to have hockey. We're going to have, like, meaningful – games on the ice come December 1st, which is fantastic. I think that answers uh, some of the questions we got um, on social media there is, you know, are we going to have fans in the stands? Well, I, hopefully that answers that question. Um, kind of answer, did the American players make it up? Um, I know, again, it, it's a process. Um, yeah, I, 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 yeah you can't really speak too much to it because it's out of the hands. It's, well, yeah. you know, it's between the players and the border. And once they're 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 through and they're they're eligible to be able to join their team, then fantastic. And we'll have information on that, I'm sure, as that as that happens. But you know, at this point, it's it's in the players' hands, and, and you know, they're you know them making that decision if they want to uh, to make that attempt to come and play, which is uh, you know I think is fair. Another question. This one comes from Ron Spiro. Um, he wants to know uh, how do how do the Smoke Eaters compare to teams like the V's in drawing top prospects and trail? It seems like. Penticton gets a lot of the up-and-coming stars. Um, there was a response to that on Twitter, which I'll read to that after. Um, but I think from our standpoint, what we can say to it is when you look at Penticton, if you're up-and-coming player or whatever it is, I think not that Trail is not attractive. It, it definitely We've talked about it over the last few episodes. It's definitely becoming one of the premier programs to come to in Junior A hockey. But Penticton has quite a few years on them. You know, you, you know, growing up in Penticton, the SOEC opened in, you know, 2008. Um, you know, Fred Harmonson took over in 2007. You know, a few years later, they had a national championship. They set, you know, junior A records, um, putting players through to the NHL. It's got that reputation. Now, the Smoke Eaters are getting those big big players. You think they had, last year they had Kent Johnson. They had Philip LaPointe. Um, they had Powell Connor. They got Cody Siobhan through a trade. Uh, you know, they've got... They had the big players come in um, last year, and so it's not. I wouldn't say that the Smoke Eaters. I would say the Smoke Eaters compare very closely to where the V's are. Obviously, as as I said, the V's have got that. They've got better half of a decade of being one of the top programs in the country and going to multiple national championships. But with what Rich and Annie Murphy have done in helping build up this program, what Jeff Tamalini did last the last two years when he was here before he went to the NHL, what Tim Fragel is now building here, and as what as what uh, Chris Hebb said, it's 
very close, um, you know, parity-wise in the league. Yeah, and obviously for, for those that are, you know, uh, know the league really well, they know that there is not an entry draft into the BCHL. Um, so players that are not committed to other teams that would be in conflict with the, with the BCHL, they get to choose um, where they want to play, obviously barring the coaching staff wanting them to come here. But, you know, these top talented players, when they're scouting where they're looking at, where they're going to go and develop for that, you know, that year or two prior to going to NCAA programs or if they're coming out of the major midget programs or wherever they're coming from, you got to take a look at what what is it they're looking for. They're looking to go somewhere where they're going to get exposure, where they're going to have a great experience, um, and they're going to try to choose what's best for them based on uh, what their next goals are. And for a lot of these kids in this league now, it is looking for NCAA scholarships. And so, what are you looking for there? You need you're looking for a team that's going to compete in on a compete on a year in and year out basis as being one of the top teams in the league and a chance to win and you know get all of that that headline type news. And they're looking for facilities. They're looking for a place where they can go that they know they've got good facilities. You know, they've got good, uh, uh, you know, coaching staff and support staff and, you know, a fan base to play in front of and play for. So when you look at, you know, you're comparing in this case Penticton to Trail, Penticton has that longer history right now in regards to having success both on and off the ice and players moving on. Trail has had their points of success. They've played well, but it wasn't until really until they've kind of had that financial influx of, of new ownership where facilities were upgraded, you know, staff was brought on, you know, Craig Clare and, and, and both the hockey and business side of things, um, you know, the, the girls in the office there and all the work that they've done as far as sponsorship and getting promotions done and bringing back that fun and excitement in the, into the arena, like all that stuff ties into creating an atmosphere that draws these players in. And I've said it before, when you don't have – when you don't have the ability to just draft these players, it's what are you presenting to the players? And I don't think there's very few teams across the country right now that are offering what the Trail Smoke Eaters are offering for a chance for these Junior A eligible players to go and play. So, you know, as, as they continue to develop and continue to build that tradition now on, on, the, on the shoulders of, you know, uh, the Murphys and, and Tambellini and, and now Fraggle, and, like, as we continue to see this, you'll continue to start seeing more and more of these top-tier players recognizing trail is that destination that's where they want to go to play that's going to be the best option for them moving into their next step and um you know for those that have been long-term supporters of the smoke eaters um now's the time where it's going to really start getting exciting because you're going to start seeing it where this team is you know expectations come up where they expect to be at the top of those standings uh, tables on a year in and year out basis and that is what's going to allow them to start to continue to attract the higher end talent and keep that uh, that tradition of winning going here in trail uh, move on, kind of next question. This one's from Ashley Johnson. Um, talking a little bit about the, the offense and, you know, losing Johnson, Kalela, LaPointe, um, kind of where, what top end, you know, offensive talent does the Smoke Eaters have this year? Um, I think we've talked about it a little bit, but we'll just kind of re reiterate to answer that question. Quinn Disher, been, you know, my first time seeing him. I'm, you know, excited to see what he does. Um, Connor Misho is a guy that can score. Noah Wakeford's a guy that can score. Col uh, Colson Wolford is going to be a guy that can score. We talked about it also last time in Defoe stepping up, Sweeney, Senko, those guys stepping up, um, all all with the ability to to be offensive um, for this team and, and you know fill that hole that you talked about. This 300 odd points that were scored last year between five or six guys that you know 
how is that going to replace? Are they are those guys that we just mentioned going to score 300 points? Probably not, because Ken Johnson was a once in a generation player. Oh uh, well, I guess that's that's usually they regard that for Connor McDavid. I, I'm just saying Ken Johnson was a once in a, you know, he's a top end player. He's probably gonna he's definitely gonna go in the top five of the NHL entry draft next year. You know, that's very often where he is he is ranked. Can he go higher? Probably. Could he go lower? It, it all depends on what teams are looking for come that draft. But he was such a special player that you don't get that kind of player every year. It just doesn't happen. Um, but, yeah, hope that, I think that kind of answers that question a little bit. Yeah, and then, you know, let's not kid ourselves. You know, we were very spoiled last year with the talent that was on this team. Um, and if you're asking, like, can you identify the three bodies, for instance, that are going to replace or four bodies that are going to replace a Johnson, a LaPointe, a Colella, a DeMuro, you're no, I'm not, I'm not giving you any names. It, it, like, there isn't one. Every year, you can't ask these players that are stepping in this year to step into the, to those roles and put up the points like those guys did. But what you can expect is a lot of skill. You're going to find, you know, a team that may have to, it may not be one-on-one -on -one type battles that are won on fancy moves by Johnson or, you know, uh, puck retrievals by LaPointe, finding open, like, it's going to be different guys, and it's going to be by committee, and you're going to have to wait and see, and as these guys gel, who's going to take those lead roles and who's going to be those, those guys to be called on in on those, you know, we need a goal now type moments. It'll happen. We'll see them. But if you're, if you're going to be thinking, you know what, who's going to be the next Kent Johnson for this team? Well, you just mentioned it. it you know, Kent Johnsons don't come around every year. You know, we were very, very fortunate to be able to, to, to watch watch him and have him part of this team and, you know, all the best to him as he moves on and, and you know, watch where he goes into the NHL at draft pick. Like, that's the, you're not going to just replace that. So is there skill here? Absolutely. Is there guys that you and I are, are excited about to see what they're able to do and feel that they can be dominant players here in the league? Absolutely. Um, are we going to throw them out there and kind of put ourselves out on the ledge? Probably not so much. Um, we'll wait and let them do that on the ice. Uh, another question from Ashley, um, kind of with the pay-to-play structure being enforced, how much are players paying? You know, that's not for us to discuss. That's not even anything that I know. Uh, yeah. that, that, that's a private thing that, you know, the, as, as Chris said, it's one of the things that the players discussed in, in working out how that fee comes about. It's not a large sum, as we talked about, that they're trying to get money. It's, it's just so that they can play. Um, yeah, sorry. And on that note, Heb mentioned that that's going to be based on the individual team's cost set up so it's not like hey it's going to be this much and if we make money great if we don't it's this is what our costs are we're going to this is going to be the portion of assigned to the players and that's what will be divvied up and that's what we asked to play so there is no you know you know we're going to get a cash cow here because we can ask the players to play that's not going to happen it's going no. to be a, a cost recovery type method and not a revenue type uh a fee uh, part two of three of this question. Uh, does that mean... She's um, a bit of a fan, isn't she? <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> um, does that mean that uh, we'll end up with players that can afford um, it opposed to just players who are allowed or who are talented to play? Um, Chris said in um, in an interview, not with us, um, might have been his TSN 1041, might have been his one with Global, um, that the league is looking for those sponsorship deals to help bring down those costs and, you know, even so, support those players that aren't aren't able to afford that this fee. Um, I think it's it's very much uh, no one's going to be excluded because you you can't afford this because it wasn't part of you know the budget and, and when you get to this level you're not expecting that. Um, I think it's again I think that's something that you know we don't know a whole lot about. But I, from what Chris has said in previous interviews, 
Um, that's it's it's not they're not going to eliminate anybody um, because they can't play. They're going to do their best to make sure that players uh, you know have the opportunity in this league. Yeah, and it's great to see that that's coming from the league side of things. That they're they're you know pushing for you know complete uh, inclusiveness for players that are may not have the financial means that other players do. Um, you know, you know, these players are already paying, I think, billet fees and whatnot for, for that type of thing. Um, you know, again, we don't know what the, what the number would be, but I guess the, the story there is for businesses, local businesses or, and whatnot, you know, reach out to your teams. Um, you know, if, if, if there's concern there for players not being able to make that up, it's a great way to maybe help support the team if contacting them and see what they might need there. And if there's a way, maybe a sponsor, a player situation or something, I don't know. I'm sure we'll see different teams if that becomes – if plan B becomes the way we need to go, then I think there might be other options there that you might see teams reaching out and, and looking for that support from maybe the, the business community at large or individuals that want to help out. So um, I think it's a great question. I don't think the – to get back to her question, I don't think the ability to play is going to limit players being able to come. I think the teams, um, if if they want that player, are going to figure out some way to help that player and support that player to be able to play. So uh, good to hear right from the league commissioner as well. And part three, uh, what opportunities will fans have to be part of the season if no fans are allowed in? It's an interesting thing. Um, you see so many different leagues do different things. Like the NHL has got the, the video board where you know people are live streaming in. Um, you know, I don't know the Premier League does things like that. NBA has the virtual crowd. Yeah. Um, <laughs> obviously, here on the Smoke Show podcast, we love to have you involved in in every way possible. Um, so you know, feel free to reach out to us and you know try and you know stay involved that way. Um, other things, I, I, once the season gets going, I think we'll have a better idea of what we can do. I know Rob and I and, and Jeff Fontes, we've all had our you know conversations about what we can do to help um help help you know increase that that uh, fan interaction interaction because it is going to be it is going to be different um will there be more video things yes or will there be more highlights that's the hope um again it's, it's a really good question i don't know the exact answer to that right now but um we're doing our best you know we want the, the fans are such a big part of not just the bchl but the smoke eaters here in trail um, as Chris said, you know, they're so, so involved in this team, and it's a wonderful thing to, to see for anyone from the outside or anyone new coming in and how involved the, the fan base and the community of Trail and the West Kootenays are in the Smoke Eaters in this team. And, you know, we don't want to exclude you, but team games will be on Hockey TV. That's how, at the very least, I can say um, you'll be able to be involved. And, you know, you'll we'll do our best. You know, if you send a question during during the game, you know, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, we know when we're providing updates, we'll try and involve you in the game. We'll answer those questions on the fly if we can. Um, yeah, I think that kind of is the base and answer to that question. Yeah, just, uh, you know, reach out, contact through through the social media channels and, you know, let us know what uh, what you'd like to see. You know, if you, you know, if you want more, you know, like you say, interactivity during the games or is it information around the team as leading up to games, like, I, I'm sure you're just as open as, as as anyone of just what would you like to see and uh, what what's going to create the best experience for the fans based on uh, the options that we have in front of us at this time. So 
Um, I think it was great that we were able to get some some feedback and some questions uh, via social media. I think all, most of these came through on Twitter. Um, but, you know, I, you do monitor all of the channels. So definitely whatever whatever your favorite social media channel is, send your questions, send your inquiries, send your ideas. Um, and we'll see how we can incorporate them the best we can and uh, increase your uh your experience here with the Trail Smoke Eaters. Well, exactly. If you if you click the podcast link through the Facebook link, comment on that Facebook post on on a question uh, that you want or, or you know a suggestion. Uh, I'll read those. <laughs> I'll I'll get to them. Um, same with Twitter. You know, I put out the the question um, earlier in the week, and you know we've got the opportunity to have them here. We'd love to do that on every episode. I think that will be. Uh, goal because I think it turned out really well. Same with Instagram, you know, comment comment on the posts and um, we'll do our best to make sure that those those get to us. And uh, you know, we we interact with you. You know, the smoke. This is the Trail Smoke Eaters podcast, and we don't have the Trail Smoke Eaters without the fans. Um, is a is I think the, the great great thing about uh, about this team. So again, send your questions. It's uh, it's been fun. Talking smoke eaters through the summer, getting ready, and I hope uh, through the interview with Chris Hebb here that we had uh, a lot of questions answered and a lot of um, a lot of people who might have been nervous about how the season would look um, have those questions answered as well. Yeah, and we made it through episode four. We made it through episode four and episode five. Uh, I won't say too much about episode five quite yet because episode five might come a lot quicker, uh, given when uh, the smoke eaters might be playing games. I'm gonna I'm gonna tease that a little bit. So. Um, See what you did there. <laughs> See what you did there. Thanks again for listening here on to the Smoke Show podcast. For myself, for Rob Squires, for Chris Hebb, for Jeff Fontes, for Craig Clare, for Tim Fragel, uh, the girls in the office, Allison and Rachel, all the work they do. Thanks for listening. Thanks for commenting. And we'll talk again in a couple weeks. The Smoke Show was produced at Trail Smoke Eaters Hockey. Hosting and research, Ben Phillips. Co-host, Rob Squires. Produced by Jeff Fontes. Theme music by Jason Shaw. Audionautics. Executive producers, Rich and Annie Murphy. Director of Hockey and Business Operations, Craig Clare. Sales and Marketing, Allison McCarthy and Rachel Swanson. Check out Trail Smoke Eaters on social media at BCHL Smoke Eaters. For everything Trail Smoke Eaters, head to trailsmokeeaters.com.